Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream in which we are on the stories of the Odia and we're covering today Ali Al-Husri or Al-Hisri however you want to pronounce it and Ali Al-Husri or Al-Hisri depending how you say it I think that in Egypt we say Husri in Asham, they say Husri or Hisri. So, but he wasn't from Sham or from anywhere. He was from Basra. He was not from Egypt or Sham. He was from the city of Al Basra, which is in south east of Iraq, and it's right next to the Arabian Peninsula, also right next to uh, Persia, Basra. And he moved to Baghdad. Second Baghdad, his hal was ajib. His hal was something else. His hal is your state, the state that you're always in. And you should never judge someone, by the way, by their hal, because someone may have no hal at all and no heba and be from the kibar of the awliya, right? Someone could have, could be just a regular man. As a young man, I met a Sudanese sheikh, and he had no heba at all. He was just wearing a blazer, talking regular talk. And I thought, this is not a real sheikh. I need to find a real sheikh, right? Well, as Allah would teach me a lesson, this is the man that I run after for the next three years and, and benefited so much from. And he, because you, you assume... Oh, Sheikh, he, you, and you see sometimes Shiyukh with such a hal, right? That it's like a king. He's like a king. You don't approach him. You just sit and look. And you start thinking that's what a real Sheikh is. But that is not the necessary attribute of a Sheikh. Okay? That's not the, it not, has nothing to do. It's maybe some Shiyukh are like that and maybe some aren't. And usually for social reasons. So to keep, if he's if he has so many people around him to keep like a, a distance, when you have when you're really so many people are around you and you're really well known, there's a lot of harms to come to that, right? With that, so you have to keep people at a distance. How do you do that by staying aloof? You don't smile. You stay aloof. It's actually necessary. And others are trying to lure, bring people into the dean. So they got to become just like them in their interactions, humble. And so the had is something that you should never judge anyone by. And a heba is also something you should never judge by. A heba means that there's like the, the man has a mane, almost like the aura of a lion. You just you feel like an, a presence with him. And others don't have any of that. It's a complete, pure, accidental, and only the novice, murid, and the immature person who doesn't know any better is going to actually think this is a thing. They'll think this is really important and he's got to have a heba. And some people try to imitate that and have their own heba. Heba is something Allah gives. So he was Ajib al Hali. Can Ajib al Hali wal Lisan. Sheikh. Sheikh Waqti. He was a sheikh of his time, not just a, 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 a dervish, an abid. But he was a sheikh too. Yantami ila. Uh, a Shibli. He he was he derived from a Shibli, 
Shibli circle. قال, one of his sayings is, الناس يقولون الحسري لا يقول بالنوافل. That husri um, doesn't doesn't push much to much extra ibadah. وَعَلَيَّ أَوْرَادٍ مِنْ حَالِ الشَّبَابِ لَوْ تَرَكْتُ رَكْعَةً He says, but the truth is, I have awrad that I say, from my youth, if I leave off one of them, I'll be blamed. So it was basically saying it's false. And it was interesting that on this Umrah trip, by the way, did I tell everybody about the Umrah trip, how, in, how it rained in Mecca? Did I say it on the stream or no? Okay. But another thing that we met there is some of the disciples of Al-Habib Abdul Qadir al-Saqqaf. Some of the direct and then the, the next generation. So I was asking about, tell us stories about Habib Abdul Qadir al-Saqqaf. One of them said that he was not kathiru dhikri wal-awrad. This was amazing. I thought it was the opposite. That he was not somebody who had a lot of hours a day on dhikr and awrat. But he did, but what he was, what his wird was, and what his debt was, his constant habit, his constant action, was helping people in their deen and in their dunya. Helping their souls, helping their minds, and helping their bodies. Whether that meant someone moving, someone needing money, someone needing dua, someone needing ruqya someone needing advice, whatever it was, Habib Abdul Qadir al-Saqqaf was there. He was in, in a khidmah mode all the time. And that's how he attained his maqam. So I, I would always imagine, because he's always mentioned in the, in the conversation on tasawwuf, right? And he, he lived in Jeddah. He's a Hadrami. When the communists took over, he moved up to Jeddah. And he used to pray every Jum'ah in al-Masjid al-Haram. The Kaaba in Mecca, Salat al-Jum'ah. And he would um, uh, always be in the khidmah of people. And he had a majlis. He had a huge majlis on a regular basis where he would sit and he had a big hall, like a entryway of his house, or like a room that's semi-public. It's called a hauta. Imam al-Haddad's time, they called it a hauta. Yeah, why don't we get a picture of Hibab Abdul Qadr al-Saqqaf. Saqqaf means the roofer. But they took it to me and for these people, the one who protects you from harms. We said, when you're in the presence of a faqih, the faqih, he protects you from harms. He protects you from harms in that by teaching you what's wrong, you avoid it. So you avoid the punishment that attaches to that. And the punishment is not just of the, of the akhirah, it's of the dunya too. Like there are earthly consequences to these things. Also, their dua, a dua yuruddul qada. So Habib Abdul Qadr al-Saqqaf, he had this majlis and people would come up to him for needs. People would come up to him all the time for, oh, I, uh, I have this issue, I have that issue. I have this need, I have that need. right? And so they would always come to him and he would, sometimes people would come and bring the sadaqat too. So one time, this was an amazing story, a man came with a big leather bag and he put it in front of, he was dressed all the tie and everything, put it in front of Habib Abdul Qadr. Habib Abdul Qadr took a glance at it and put it to the side. 
the teller, the, the guy telling the story, took a peek at it. He found cash in rubber bands. Sadaqah. That bag was empty at the end of the majlis. Every time someone come, couple, and he wouldn't even look at it. Put his hand in, two wads of rubber bands, boom. Two wads of cash, boom. Thing was empty at the end. This is how the ummah operated. Not everything was just you have to have an insurance. No, you have an ummah. You have a community. Not you always have to have insurance. You have to have a job. Wealth also comes through sadaqats like this. And that was Habib Abdul Qadir Saqaf. Extremely special example of khidmah, day and night. And that's how Habbul ibadi ilallah anfa'ahum li'ayadihi. It's a hadith. And there's another one with the wording li'khalqihi. Ayal does not mean children. It means your dependence. We're all dependent upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ayal does not mean it's we we call we say it's children because children are dependents, but Al Khalq Ayal Allah means they are dependent upon him. That's what it means. Does not mean they're offspring of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want some uh, we were in MBIC and we recited that one qasid Al Khalq Ayal Allah. Oh the Egyptian lady flipped out, right? How could you say that? Blah blah blah. So we could say that because we know what the Arabic means and you don't, right? It means dependent. And and then children became called that. So he was, uh, so he says here that Ali al-Husri was kathirul ibadah. Whereas we just contrasted that with what was just, you know, what was said about Abdi al-Qadr al-Saqaf is that he was not much of awrad, a couple awrad a day, but his main ibadah, his main khidmah to the ummah uh, was through helping people. And helping people is not just their bodies. Your your heart too. Like if you're down, giving you a sandwich doesn't change you. You're down because, oh, my friend ignored me, right? And I feel like um, I'm worthless. I don't feel like people like me or respect me. Giving you a sandwich is not going to help you. Giving you money is not going to help you. What's going to help you is is lifting your spirits. Anytime a person feels like the people of the dunya are are disrespecting you, chances are you're not honoring Allah enough. That's like the natural when you're off of your orbit, right? When you're on your orbit and you're and you are focused on your 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 job and your duties, you find everyone respects you and everyone loves you. But when you're trying to enjoy their respect or trying to get something from the people, like something like um, you want to get respect from them, you want to get fulfillment from them, you find them empty. It's, it's a negative, right? And one of the awliya of the past, he said he knows his status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his sta- the, the status of his household. If they're rude to him and they're just they're not respectful, he knows that He's been ignoring his ibadat. He's not on the right track. He also says, He says here that if you make claims about spiritual rank, you will be exposed. The shawahid kashfil barahin is a phrase here referring to the traces of life, the traces of things will expose you. Okay. So everything leaves a trace. So, so you can't 
don't make claims about your status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah doesn't isn't pleased with this. And if you do, uh, if if you do possess something true between you and Allah, you you keep it to yourself. Only when you start to you you seek to trade to trade that with a dunyawi status. Some people do. They change. So he was sincere and he was good. But time passes and people get uh, um, maybe a bit tired, maybe a bit bored. So they say, hey, what do I have that can win me some currency with people? And he starts talking about his spiritual states. So that he could, and he enjoys the attention of people. He enjoys that people um, uh, honor him. It's a ladha. It's a, it's a temptation in the heart that everyone's honoring me, everyone's respecting me. So when I get bored and I get tired and I lose focus, what, is a, what do they do and what he's warning of is some people, they would then start talking about themselves and then get attention from people, right? Anytime that you're getting fulfillment right, through the creation, the creation eventually you're going to find yourself, if Allah wills good for you, it's going to end up bitter. You're not going to be happy. So what do you do? You shut yourself, shut everything off, and turn back to the, turn back to the to your Creator. Waliyat Tijani, what he's changed tariqas or what? Are you Shadli or Tijani? What's going on here? Now he stopped going to McDonald's. Now he's going to Burger King. All right, Shay. What is some advice you would give a murid? who has trouble with internal motivation, but really wants to attain it. I don't think anybody has trouble with motivation. It's just that people are forcing themselves to want something that they don't really want. That's really what it is, right? Your mind tells you, I should be wanting this, but your heart is really wanting something else. You actually have to just go with what is... as what is your heart truly seeking that is halal for you. That's your maqam at that moment of time, right? So you may, for example, that's Habib Muhammad al-Saqaf who we just met. That's direct murid of Habib uh, Abdul Qadir al-Saqaf and we met him and we went and had a madras at his house, mashallah. And he gave us uh, 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 some ijazas and some athkar and salawat. Yeah, Ryan's pull, pulling up some pictures and he just brought up, picked up, uh, pulled up a picture of Habib Muhammad Abdurrahman al-Saqqaf. Okay. Different habayib there. Because in this studio, you guys don't see it, but I see a big TV screen right in front that's reflecting what Ryan's on. I see when he's doing homework. I see when he's paying traffic tickets. And whatever happened with your traffic situation? But you didn't get suspended. Oh, mashallah. But so no suspension. Mashallah, that's excellent. Yeah. So what were we saying? Internal motivation. Your mind says, oh, I should be seeking this lofty thing, right? And, and you truly, in reality, though, you just, like, want a job. The truth of, of your heart is that you want a job. Or you, but you say to yourself, no, no, it's not, uh, you know, lofty. It's not a lofty goal to want a house. It's not a lofty goal. Yeah, that actually may be true. But when it comes into the world of motivation, you got to go with what's actually in your gut, what is actually in your heart provided if it's something halal and if it's something haram you can seek it in the halal right like Said Nursi said every sinner 
he disobeys Allah because of a natural instinct in his heart, in his nafs. All he has to do is ask Allah to give it to him in the halal. Right? That's all he's got to do. So a man who's constantly committing zina, right? And he's constantly looking at the haram. That person, clearly, he has a desire for women. All he has to do is ask Allah for it in the halal. Allah will give it to him in the halal. They start worshiping Allah for Allah to, to grant you a reward. Right? Of, in this world of what is truly in your heart. The key is what will get your motor going. You got to get your motor going. Don't only say, oh, I will only get my motor going for the loftiest reason. You're not one of these big awliya. If it was, if you were, you wouldn't be having this discussion about motivation. Right? You're not one of the kibar. So don't try to be one. Wherever is a fear or a desire, you just bring that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's something that's found if you look in the poetry of Al-Ghawth Abu Madian. And he talked much about you know, how you have to be in touch with yourself. This is from the meanings of Man arifa nafsahu arifa rabbahu. If you know yourself, you know your Lord. There's so many different meanings of that. All right. One of those meanings is that if you know yourself, you will find a motivation to worship your Lord because you know what you're seeking. But sometimes you bury that because you, you, the discourse is saying, oh, this is dunya and that's whatever. And so you're saying, okay, stop wanting that. And you should only want this lofty thing, which you truly actually are not so motivated by. Because we're weak. We're, our spiritual level's low. Okay? Someone tells you, no, you should focus only upon the vision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't think of anything else of the dunya. That, we'd say, is a wonderful maqam, but it is for those who have experience who are strong in the deen. You ask a regular person, he's, what is he going to want? He's going to want relief of his problem of now. He's got issues now. He needs a couple bucks to pay some bills. Another one, he wants to just be respected in his community. Another one, he wants to catch up with his colleagues in knowledge or in something else. Another one, he wants to marry a woman. We were at Habib Ubaidullah's house, and he said, ask your Lord in this place of anything that passes by your heart. This is a teaching that's not, I'm not making this up. This teaching is also from the, the great Syrian scholar. <sighs> Who is it that I always read? No, say another name. Who is it that his, 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 his nephew came to MCGP, remember? His nephew lives here. And they visited us here. Oh, Sheikh, subhanAllah. He's a Syrian scholar. His name is... Oh, subhanAllah. I don't I can't believe it's skipping me right now. His name is skipping me right now, but he's a big he's he passed away. His brother was not so famous. And his brother is here in Florida or Ohio or something as an imam. And his son came and visited, sat with us. In any event. Deep. Sheikh Rajabid Deep, thank you. Sheikh Rajabid Deep. Sheikh Rajabid Deep, he was the famous one. He had a brother who was a big Sheikh too. But he was not the famous, he was like the hidden one. So they had the Batin with Zahir. The son, okay, so the nef, the son of the quiet one, of the, the silent one, he lives here. And between Florida or Ohio. Can't remember where he lives. Ohio. And then their son, he visited us here. But in any event, Sheikh Rajab he has a video. He said, When you put your hands up to Allah, you ask what you wish. 
not what textually textbook should be the lofty dua don't trap yourself in this this is a type of you're trying to jump 10 feet and you haven't even jumped five feet yet and if you continue insist on that you're going to go negative you're going to fall in sins so you just have to be in the state that allah put you in okay as long as you're praying you're developing does not matter what you're going for. This is why the Prophet ﷺ has accepted ibadah out of fear is acceptable. It's full, 100% sincerity. Just out of fear. Then ibadah for desire, 100% sincere. Then ibadah solely for the love of the good and love of Allah is, all, is the highest form. But all of them are hundreds. 100 is, is, is bronze, is silver, 100 is gold, 100 is platinum. Right? Platinum supposedly being more expensive than gold, but it's not, people don't desire it more than gold. MashaAllah, there is a brother named Hassan Johnson. He's a veteran in this community, and he's my first boss, and he's now on Instagram. I, I don't know if he's still on the stream because I just saw the question up. You know, he, he was actually my first boss. And he almost fired me a couple times too, but I think he was just scaring me. He was hired as the educational consultant for Darul Arqam schools down the road. And, and he was one of the first people to hire. And he's also an MBIC veteran. But he now lives in the Gulf, enjoying the warm weather of the Gulf. MashaAllah. Next. Umar al-Haddad. I think we read it, but let's read it again. Abu Hafs, Umar ibn Maslama, al-Haddad. No, no relation to the Haddad of Hadramaut. There's a number of Haddads. There's Haddads out of Lebanon. There's Haddads from Hadramaut. And there's Haddad from Egypt. Good. He was from Kurdabad, way out there in Persia, somewhere uh, uh, um, in uh, the lands of the um, uh, uh, those lands we call Mawra uh, Nahr, what is beyond the, the river. Khurasan is the word. Khurasan. He was a chief and he was an imam. And he said, Sins, it's the mailman of kufr. It's the advertisement of kufr. Why? Because you darken your heart. Once you darken your heart, then what happens? Whispers about falsehoods can enter in. The, the, the strategy you have to understand of shayateen, of iblis, is shahawat followed by shubuhat. Shahawat are passion, passionate desires. This, the way that normal people commit sins. That darkens the heart. Those sins, if you don't make tawbah and wash them away quick, they darken the heart. Once the heart is darkened, you can throw in it a poison pill. And that's what we call shubuhat. A poison pill is about an idea. It's a bid'ah. Or it's kufr. Or shirk or something like that. And shubuhat is far worse and shahawat most people have shahawat and they commit those sins and they make tawbah and they're, everything's fine but the moment you get shubuhat which is a wrong idea about the deen that's most people never leave them off they don't leave them off why? it's your own idea shahawat we're born with it we're all born with these desires and we say and, and we, say, we admit them too people come up I can't stop drinking man they say it. I can't stop smoking. He admits it that it's a force 
that he didn't create inside himself. I don't know. I just, I can't stop. They have no problem saying that. But, and they wish to get help. They go to these addiction anonymous things. But shubuhat is a false idea in your head that you invent. So you love it. You want to keep it. And that's why the shubuhat, as Sheikh Mahmoud Shabib said, he observed, and it's true, it's a sound observation in my opinion, you don't really see these people repent. Once someone takes on a wacky idea in the deen, kufri, bid'i, whatever you want to call it, they, they never leave it off. It's very hard for them to leave it off. You can very easily say, oh, I knew a, a bunch of guys who were all astray, and they came back. I mean, you could say, oh, this guy used to drink, this guy used to do riba, this guy used to do that, and they all made tawbah, mashallah. They, went, they all went to hajj and made tawbah. You can say that. You'll see people. But you rarely see people say, oh, he used to be uh, from that sect. He used to be from that sect. He used to be from that sect. It's very rare that when a person gets an idea and invents an idea, concocts an idea in his head that he ever repents from it. Okay? Because it's his idea, he wants to defend it. The more he defends it, the stronger he gets. Whereas in Shubuhat, when people fall for temptations, they don't, they don't defend it. They put their head down in embarrassment. Right? Most people, when they fall for temptations, nobody says, yeah, I'm in it. I do it all the time. No problem. At that point, it becomes a shubha. It becomes an idea. You've made an idea out of it. It's no longer an action. It's an idea. So people stick with their ideas and they go down with their ideas. But with their wrong actions and their temptations, they readily make tawbah. So that's the difference between a nafs wal hawa. A nafs, it's the desire that you're created with. We all have it. Al right? hawa is different. Al hawa is something that is um, you invent, you concoct, and people will go down with their own ship with that. So kama an al hima baridul maut, al humma, and fever is the mailman of death. Waqala ida raait al murid. If you see a murid and all he loves to do is just sing and all that, but he, there's no Quran, there's no ilm, there's no fiqh, that's the meaning of that here. Because a sama' is harmless, is not harmful if it's connected and it's only a relaxation after ibadah and fiqh. But if someone claims, and this is what we call the gufiyah, Okay, where all they want to do is put on the um, trappings of spirituality that is has no effort involved. And really, that's what modern spirituality has become. Not so much in Islam, but I'm saying outside of Islam. It's everything that feels spiritual, but there's no discipline. No discipline is ever required. So any the, the, the spirituality of Dajjal, it'll make you feel really good. It'll give you something to believe in. It'll talk connect you with the whole world and the universe as they always call it as they say constantly they non-stop the universe this and the universe that they'll connect you with all this stuff but they'll never say no to your ego that is the the hallmark of the of a dajjalic type of spirituality is it's all feels really good and it's wonderful talk thankfulness oneness all that wonderful stuff. But never saying no to the ego. 
And that's a big difference. That's a sign of a fraud. That's a fraud, right? Truth of the matter is that it's all about our religion is more, spirituality is based first on saying no to the ego. La ilaha. Say no to those pagan gods, right? Takhliya. End, uh, empty all of those sins. Say no to your jihad and nafs. Jahid to shahid. Strive and struggle and then you'll see the results. But with no mujahada, so that you want to get up and do ibadah and dhikr, but also you never want to lower your gaze and stop with listening to what's haram, etc. You're going to lose out. So it's no good. It's, it's a bidat and musjah. It's a fault. It's a fraudulent and a uh, rotten product. وَقَالَ حُسْنُ أَدَبِ الظَّاهِرِ عُنْوَانِ حُسْنُ أَدَبِ الْبَاطِنِ Someone having good adab on the outside is an advertisement that they have good adab on the inside. And that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is, is the adab, right? The way that you talk to people, the way that you deal with people, the way that you deal with the Qur'an, physically, the mushaf, the masajid, it's just a mere indicator of what's truly on the inside. Al-futuwa ada'ul insaf wa tark al-mutalaba al-insaf. Futuwa, what is futuwa? What is what does it mean to be a man, to be a um, futuwa is like being a man. He says it's always being fair to others, but never requesting them to be fair to you. That's futuwa. Wakala Malam Yazin Afalahu wa ahwalahu fi kulli waktin bil kitabi was sunna walam yatahim khawatirahu. If a person at every t- moment is not judging his thoughts and his actions with the book and the sunnah, don't count him as a man. Think about this. We're all human being is is if without any guidance, we'd just be like worse than animals. We'd be worse than animals. Because animals, they stop at a certain limit. They eat what they need to eat. Then they let nature take its course. We we have a nafs, we have desire, we want to indulge. You'll never see, if you put out five pieces of meat for an, a lion, he's going to eat his piece and he's going to leave the other four. You can't do that with a human. A human, if you put out a wonderful, gorgeous steak with fries, then another one, and then some lamb chops, your mind, our minds will say, I can't let this go to waste. I got to have this. You'll eat to your own detriment. So we're far worse. So we, we never become what we are unless without revelation. We get revelation. There has to be something from outside of us that comes and tells us how to live and how to do things. So that's why it has to be weighed by the book and the sunnah. And people who always talk about natural, everything should be natural, and, and, but you don't want everything to be natural. The human being is not in line if he just follows his nature. We're not in line. We're going to go way off of our line. Uh, animals, they cohabit in, in a season. It's like when, when they're, they're in heat, they cohabit. Okay? And they don't cohabit the way we do. He just finds a, 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 you ever see a squirrel or a dog or a cat or a lion. He just finds the female. There's no discussion. And he basically impregnates her. Finished. 
And then he never talks to her again. And they just go their separate ways. But he doesn't go around to all the females doing this for, for fun. He's just doing it because he was at that moment, he had to unload. Human beings, we don't have a sense of that limit. We constantly for, go for indulgence. We'll destroy ourselves. So every time someone goes with the uh, approach of we should always be natural, let everything be natural, that's actually not a good argument for human beings. On top of that, we're not suited for this world. We're a completely unnatural creation. In this world, your skin needs to be covered at all times. From the heat, it needs to be covered. From the cold, it needs to be covered. Your, our bodies also, because of our indulgence, our bodies are never fit. Like In order to be perfectly fit, like to have the perfect amount of fat and the perfect amount of muscle, just to reach what a lion is by itself, right? A lion's just like that by himself. A dog is just like that by itself, okay? Because it doesn't have the same instincts we have. In, in order for us to just get to that neutral, that good, we got to do so much work of not eating this, doing that exercise. We're not suited for this world. For us to be to, to go with the attribute of, or the, the argument of let's just always be natural doesn't suit for us, for the human being. We're not meant for this. We can't bite into half the foods without softening it with cooking. We can't even eat most foods without cooking. And that's, this was my argument against evolution the other day. If everything is getting stronger, supposedly, right? Everything's getting stronger until you get the human being. But why is it that the human being, the only feature that we have are these non-physical things that are stronger than everyone else? Our minds, our imagination, like what makes a human being stronger than anything else? Mind, imagination, like uh, ambition. Like we have, we want to do amazing things. That's what makes us better than lions, tigers, and bears. Physically speaking, we're weaker than everything else. A deer can survive at night and sleep outside. A dog can survive outside with no clothes and no amenities. We would be dead by the second week. We would have the flu by the first night. So how is it that all these unseen things of the human beings adapted simultaneously going downwards when it comes to everything physical? Everything physical about us is weaker. Our nails are weaker. Our teeth are weaker. Our eyesight's weaker. Our hearing is weaker. Our sense of smell is weaker. What has a better sense of smell? When we need to smell stuff, we get a canine. Birds and all these animals and cats, they see in the dark way better than us. Hearing. Like, uh, uh, there are tons of animals that have way better hearing than us. Bat, unbelievable, it's hearing. Skin, everything. Every, insects don't even have clothes. Everything has better skin than us, right? Stronger skin. SubhanAllah, everything, even physical fitness. You leave, look at the deers of nature, perfect. Perfect ratio proportion. Look at a regular human being. Very rarely are they in perfect proportion, except with a lot of work. So, so how are we? How is this evolution then? How are we advancing when in every physical category we're weaker? It's only literally in every not unseen category: imagination, ambition, intellect, will. We think about the purpose of life. All of that is what makes a human being superior. 
So that's why this concept of when we talk about being a human being, we are human beings, we're greater because of something external to us, which is the revelation. And that's why he says here, you're not a rajul if you don't weigh everything by the book and the sunnah. And he then says, Accuse your desires. Accuse yourself. This is the exact polar opposite of Freudian psychology. Where Freud says all the, frust- the, the ailments, psychological ailments are caused by a frustration on the inside that you haven't left it, let out. Let it all out. Let it all out. We say no. Do you physically let everything out? Do you not want a world where every, passing gas out loud is acceptable? Urinating wherever you are, just in your pants or in the street. So certain things are better kept hidden. And certain things are kept suppressed. Can you imagine a society where everyone is just, it's just politically acceptable, socially acceptable for everyone to just pass gas? Or would you rather be in a society where we all suppress it? Right? Certain things should be suppressed. If we understand that physically, then metaphysically or morally, certain things should be suppressed. So we accuse ourselves. And every time that when we're in, in the process of terbiyah, if a child says to their parent, oh, you don't trust me? We say, no, you have a nefs. Did you, evolve, did, did you develop, you have no nefs? I don't trust myself. I trust your good side, but I don't trust your nefs. Right? And as long as you have enoughs, and as long as I have enoughs, we have to take precautions and measures to make sure that we don't fall into temptations. And I, as your parent, have to make sure you don't fall into temptations. Okay? That's your, it's one of your jobs. Your job is to make sure that there's no hole in the yard so they don't fall into a cliff, uh, into a hole and break their ankle. Likewise, it's your job to make sure that they don't fall into... Temptations and shahawat and shubuhat. Next. Sumnun ibn Hamza. Next comment is from Sumnun ibn Hamza. For the next biography. Wahua Abu Hassan wa Abu Qasim. Sumnun ibn Hamza Tawufiya Aam 290 Hijriyan 903 of the common era 290 of the Hijra He died Sahiba Sariya Saqati He befriended Sariya Saqati Wa Aba Ahmad Al-Qalanasi And Abu Ahmad Al-Qalanasi Muhammad ibn Ali Al-Qassab Qassab is somebody who takes out Qassab He works in the, in the Qassab Qassab is sugarcane it's one of the delicacies of Egypt. If you go to Egypt, hey, right? Did you go to Egypt yet? No, Oz did. Oz is gonna go. He went in the winter, right? Or did he go in the summer? November. So maybe, maybe it's a summer thing. But Qasab, uh, it's sugarcane, and these these guys got rooms full. It's cheap, and then there's a big machine. The guy just puts it in the machine, and it squeezes out the juice of the sugar cane, and there's nothing like it. And they put it in a bag for you, which is weird. We Westerners don't usually put drinks in plastic bags, but they put a drink in a plastic bag, wraps it up, and it's light green. 
within a few hours it turns black, but that's harmless. But that's what qasab is, sugarcane. So Oz is going to Egypt again. Anyone who wants to join him, you can go with him. And you guys can, when you go, um, it's going to be a bit warrant, huh? Yeah, he's going he's gonna to drown himself in Maliki Fik, but he needs to also drink some qasab. There's some good foods in Egypt. Qasab, uh, here they have falafel, which is made out of chickpeas, but there they make it out of... Um, in Egypt, they don't make their falafel out of uh, out of chickpeas. It's not yellow, it's green. They make it out of a different bean. And it's really something special. That's one thing I really like, the street food of Egypt. He says, وَكَانَ سُمْنُونَ ضَرِيفُ الْخُلُقُ he was very nice. Could you take that over by your side? Because uh, it's my fast. He was very light-hearted. Most of his speech was about love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his affair, his business, his affair, his da'wah was big. It was grand. قال أبو أحمد المغازلي كان في بغداد رجل فرق على الفقراء أربعين ألف درهم. In Baghdad, word spread that a man had given out forty thousand silver coins to the poor. فقال لي سمنون سمنون said to me. يا أبا أحمد أو أبو أحمد ألا ترى ما قد أنفق هذا? Do you not see what this man has given out? And what he has done. And we cannot find anything. We don't have any money to give out. So we have to compete with them. Let us go somewhere and we could pray one rakah for every dirham that this man has given out. So we could try to match his hatsanat. We went to an area and we gave out and we prayed 40,000 rakas. SubhanAllah. Go to Nimra's question. Nimra says, We did everything to make sure children follow the deen, don't give up their temptations, made them have hafiz of Quran. As soon as my son turned 14, what did he do? He slowly started giving up his salah. So here's the thing. On the one hand, on the one hand, you have to make sure they don't fall into sins. That's your job. Yet on the other hand, you have to give them enough space for them to for the desire to be created within them. And if you look at any righteous person, chances are, I would say 99.99%, it's fully their choice. Right? It's fully their choice. Okay? So... They had the prerequisite to that is they had room to make their own decisions. And I think that's extremely important. That there be room for this person to breathe, room for this person to discover who they are, what they truly want. What would they do? How if you want to know who you are, what do you do when you're in a situation where you have choices? So that's one of the things that's extremely important. And it's it's that as a parent. You're going to have that, and you also have the protection. So if you see them making the wrong choices, 
that's where you use your authority to slowly advise, not remind and advise. Then if he's truly harming themselves and on the start to harm themselves, that's where you stop them. But it, but that doesn't necessarily, but you have to really gauge it because it doesn't necessarily mean that you're now going to open up all the doors of sins and put them in this competition with themselves. That's irresponsible, right? You're going to be asked about that. So you really, every one of us has to judge what is the right amount of space to give this person because we want them to choose the right track on their own, right? Not to be chosen for them. But about uh, a person who now listens to music all day, no matter what, there is a certain point where I would get involved. I'm not going to let you harm yourself. I would get involved. Yet at the same time, I would know that this is happening probably because of the companionship that you have. Who are your friends? Sohba is so important. The Friday night youth nights is so important. We have Friday night the youth to get together. Because if you listen to all this music, it's not like good music. Like yeah. it's, it's just like to fit in. Like mm-hmm. people listen to it. Yeah. And you make yourself like it, but it's, it's whack. It's probably, I, I, I believe personally there are, there are levels to the harm of music, right? And orchestra, I hardly doubt, is as same as harmful as these regular pop, right? Like orchestral music, the old-fashioned Beethoven and stuff. I hardly doubt, I would highly doubt that that's the same harm, right? Even though the ruling is one, in the sense, but... And there is some discussion, but the ruling is is there in the methods. But you can't tell me they're the same. And there's got to be music that's worse than others. Marilyn Manson's probably at the bottom. Of course, he doesn't make music anymore, but he represented that dark, gothic, satanic music. That's probably be the worst, right? Islamic nasheeds with with music, probably the least, right? Because... They got their fatwa, and they make full, you know, just with everything. All the instruments. But a nasheed. It's probably the least. Bro, some of them shouldn't even get paid. The guy is mumbling. He's not even trying. I, <laughs> I was with a guy one time, and the, and we were wi- and and we were listening to this because it was, I don't know, I don't know where, like, I don't know where we heard it, but I'm like, the guy's not even putting in effort. He's just mumbling, right? It's crazy now. What's yeah. crazy now is someone will make a song that's 45 seconds long. Song will only be forty five seconds. Really? Long, yeah. They make a ton of money off of it. Wow. Because people can't they can't sit for two minutes on the same song. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. Now they use like those beats and then they put like the whole version onto it, right? On what? On onto like music. The, like what? What do they put? They use like they use the harm instruments. Yeah. But they like they'll take like the songs from like the like say like like Drake is a popular. Mm-hmm. They'll take it and then they'll put like an Islamic version of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really the beat that people like. It's the beat that people like. My advice, Reef. Reef is given advice. Okay, find him a mentor. 
when children realize their parents aren't Superman, there uh, is a bit of hatred towards them. Huh? Maybe resentment. resentment, maybe. Why does it keep going up like that, going down? Oh, Ryan, is your mic on, by the way? Okay. So, yeah, it's all about suhbah. It's all about good suhbah. Next one. Saeed al-Hiri. Abu Uthman. Saeed ibn Ismail al-Hiri. Kana min al-Ray. He was from an area called Ray, which is in Persia. Wa yuqimu fi Nishapur. And he went to Nishapur, which is all Khurasan area. Sahib al-Shah al-Kirmani. Wa yahya ibn Mu'ad al-Razi. Thumma warada... Nisapur Ma'ashah al-Kirmani ala Abi Hafsin al-Haddad Then they went to Abu Hafsin al-Haddad Who is Umar al-Haddad? We just read about Wa aqama indahu And he stayed with him Wa takharraja bihi Wa zawwaja Abu Hafsin ibnatahu And he married the daughter of the Shaykh Wa aasha ba'da Abi Hafsin Naifan wa thalithina sana And he lived about 30 years Or more with the shaykh, uh, After the Shaykh passed away Qala لا يكمل إيمان رجل إيمان of a person is not complete حتى تستوي في قلبه أربعة أشياء until four things are even in his heart المنع والإعطاء والعز والذل to be given and to be deprived to be honored and to be humbled right but the one humbling that we shouldn't uh, we should seek refuge from is the humiliation the humbling of humiliation is a punishment always and the humiliation here meaning the exposure of sins because there are many people who have been uh, attacked lied upon and in that way they were in a very uh, bad position in the society but they were not guilty nothing of their morals nothing of their deeds were, were exposed that was bad such that the righteous would look down on them. What we, what the the khidlan that we should should always be mindful of is that the righteous look down on us. We never want the righteous to look down on us. Sheikh, is there if, if someone uh, sins have been <coughs> given out in public? Audhu billah. Right. Audhu billah. They they turn back to Allah. Is it, could it be like a mean of good for them? Like they, it could be, of course. The door of tawbah is always open as long as you're alive. And then Allah changes the hearts of people. Is there any extra forgiveness like in publicly exposed? Yeah, the extra forgiveness will be when he teaches people who have the same sin how to avoid it. Like um, a lot, I'm sure there are a lot of drug dealers. They repent, change their ways, and then they teach people how to avoid that. So they will now use that becomes their sins become hasanat. I think there was a story about in Australia. There was a guy who was just totally um, in everything haram and he made a ton of money off of it then he got he 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 was told i think that either he had an accident or he's told he has cancer or something like that and he just completely took a u-turn and he became a great example and he used all of what he did that was wrong as a way to show them he said listen i got every brand i have everything that you would think that you would want and it's not going to get you anywhere. So he would turn people away from the dunya. So he used his sins in the past. That's the sign of the toba that's just acceptable. Is that when your sins become a mean for you to do something good. Uh, I think what he's asking though is 
Yeah. That's that's uh, that. We have to ask that's a lot of refuge from that. That's humiliation because of arrogance. Okay. Afterwards, he repented. Chalas. Once he repents, then then we don't bring it up. He then says. وَقِيلَ كَانَ يُقَالُ فِي الدُّنْيَا ثَلَاثَةٌ لَا رَابِعَ لَهُمْ The dunya is three, there's no fourth. They used to say, there's three awliya in the dunya that we rely upon. Abu Uthman bin Isapur, Al-Junaid bin Baghdad, wa Abu Abdullah bin Al-Jalla fi sham وَقَالَ مُنذُ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةٌ مَا أَقَامَنِ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ فِي حَالِ فِكْرَتِهِ for 40 years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not, uh, has not placed me in a situation that I hated. And I hated it. I always loved whatever situation. Okay. Uh, I never was in a situation except that I loved it. Okay. And he never shifted me from one situation to another except I loved it. That's beautiful. Like, what could be a situation? You might have, for example, a situation where you're a teacher. Then Allah changes it. Another teacher comes. You're not needed anymore. You become whatever else. You should be happy. At anything, as long as you are in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, He's moving you, What it's it's good for you. It's tarbiyah. And the reward of Allah Ta'ala for His ibad is always, it's there and he's telling us it's there, but he's not giving it to us right now because he's, a, he's giving us tarbiyah. He's the murabbi of the human being. You don't know what has been hidden for, for you of reward that you will love, but it's hidden for you. It's hidden from you because it's not time right now. If you were to get it right now, your development would be compromised. What what does it mean to have suhbah with Allah? We know that we have suhbah with ourselves. Husn al-adab. Dawam al-hayba. Have adab in everything that you do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Have hayba, which means you should be in awe. Muraqaba. Guard your heart. Follow the Prophet. Keep the Prophet on your mind. Suhbatun. Suhbat al-Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning to have the Prophet on your mind, which means his sunnah. Luzum zahir al-ilm. And never to imagine that you have graduated beyond the externalities of knowledge. This is from the ways that anyone can go astray in spirituality. Such that, oh, um, I've reached a level, the outward law does not apply to me anymore. You're on the way to Kufr at that point. Suhba ma'al awliya, ihtiram, khidma. Ihtiram, khidma, respect and service. Suhba ma'al ahl, husn al-khuluq. The suhba with your, with your family, good character. Don't get angry, don't get impatient, don't be greedy. Suhba ma'al ikhwan, 
always be happy. Sohbah with your friends. What's the difference between friends and family? Family is chosen for you, pretty much. You choose your wife, but then your children aren't your choice. They come out how they come out, in every way, shape, and form. Your parents are not your choice. Your cousins and your brothers and sisters are not your choice. You literally make one choice in your whole family life, which is your spouse. And then he or she may change over time, and you cannot change that, right? So you're, you have to have sabr with that. You may like it, you may not like it. But everyone else in your family is not a choice. But friends, it's always a choice. So if I'm here by choice, I'm only here because I want to be with you guys, right? And vice versa. So, so you have to always be happy, right? Always be smiling. And it doesn't necessarily mean that um, a person has to always have uh, infinite strength. No. But what it means is that you always have at any time a chance to look at a situation positively or negatively. You can have a good attitude or a bad attitude. You could be grumpy or you could be not grumpy, right? You could be happy. And that's what we mean by that mental strength is that at any given moment, I can handle this situation it's not anyone's fault that I'm tired and in a bad mood. It's not anyone's fault. So you don't take it out on people. That's what it means. Husn al-khuluq with the ahl. And with the friends, it's always uh, to meet them, to ask about them, to make them happy. To That's what friends are for. Uh, that's what hanging out with your friends is. That's what you do. You don't go hang out with my friends to hear them complain, to whine, to be in a bad mood. That's not the point. That's why people love their friends more than their family even though the family is more important, of course. He then says, As long as it's not sinful. What is the suhba? How do you keep the company of ignorant people? Make dua for them and, do, and have mercy upon them and do not engage them. Mamadik said, I never talk to a jahil. Never engage a jahil. Whoever establishes the sunnah upon himself will always speak and act with wisdom. And whoever establishes and allows his whims, all right, his, his whims and his desires to be established, he will always speak and act upon innovation. Uh, Yasin, you got to open up the Instagram. All right, let's take a few questions of from our jama'ah here and our attendees. Women awliya. They're, they're, um, in the past, women tended not to be very much in the public sphere. It was considered not to be... Um, the, the, the elite women were considered... Uh, they were always hidden. And only the servants and stuff went outside. Because outside was dirty, right? And a rich woman and an elite woman always stayed home. Their lives and their stories tend to not have been transmitted in the same way as the men. Yeah. Oh, I thought you want stories of the women, Aulia. Of course, women can reach the highest level, even Qutbiyah. Yep, yeah, a woman can even be a Qutb. I heard Sheikh Harun say that, uh, one of his shayukh said that, uh, it's actually more likely for a woman to be a wali. Subhanallah. I forget what the reason was that he said. Mm. 
maybe it's because they they don't have the um, temptations that men have, nor the obligations to earn money. Yeah, because many many most men they do wrong in pursuit of work. They get distracted from Allah in the pursuit of work. They fall into different sins in the pursuit of in the obligation of work. Okay, let's go to Caitlin Joham, and then we have Mr. Silk Pillow here. Firstly, Caitlin Joham says, recommendation for the best way to spend Ramadan in Turkey. First of all, you are very, very lucky to spend Ramadan in Turkey. It's one of the things I would love to do. I would have to say you gotta you have to stay in the masjid as much as you can. Right? They 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 make great accommodations for women to pray tarawih there and 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 I would spend the to me the the heart and the capital of Turkey is Ayyub Sultan. I would never leave Ayyub Sultan. I would stay there the whole time. Or you can go sometime to Masjid Al-Fatih. And then, and by the way, if you reach out to us, I'll connect you with some sisters in Turkey. That they may know gatherings. They know, may know the meeting places. Because you want to always make friends too. Right? You When you go on these places, you want to meet the shiuch. And you want to be with a jama'ah. We're not there to just be with stone buildings, right? So you want to meet. So if you reach out to, if you hit uh, send an email to infoasfinsides.org, I'll send you connections. I have connections in Turkey, um, guys whose wives are are very well connected. Okay. What was uh, Mr. Silk Pillow? You know these guys. They want their hair to be. They don't want an ounce of sweat mingling with their hair, so they want a fatwa to have a silk pillow, which. I refuse to give them. Ten. Oh my goodness. This brother wants a 10 step skin care routine. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah, the 10 step. Oh, he, that, and he gave the answer? Oh, you said. Tahajud. Tahajud and any oil. The Prophet said he used to put oils on. So it's a sunnah. Right? You want to be handsome? Then pray to Hajjud and say, Allahumma hassan khalqi wa khuluqi. That's the dua of the Prophet. Okay? Oh Allah, make beautiful my character and my image. Right? So, um, 10 step. What are you going to have products and a mirror now? Wow. How am I going to know what sink is yours or your wife? You're the same now. Unreal. Atiq Rahman is saying, this dude's got to be a troll. <laughs> Joanna S. says, why is it not permissible to say rest in peace after non-Muslim passes away? Because that person is not a Muslim and rest in peace is a dua. And we don't make dua for someone who died outside of Islam. Maysoon says, what are Islamic thoughts on artificial intelligence? And the chat GP, GPT release. We'll look at that in a second. But the reason that we don't make dua for someone who died outside of Islam is because they did not accept the responder of those prayers in their lifetime right their life ended and they had rejected the one that you're praying to so that they cannot now benefit after death you didn't like it before death don't you don't get the the rewards of it after death um i have no comment yet on chat gpt i i is it an app or what or a software how does it work exactly okay I didn't I didn't play around with it yet. I didn't go on it yet. Rai, could you open up 
See, give me. Yeah. Write me a chutzpah. Yeah, because it's going to go into the basically. What is that? What's that? You never use it. Well, I I think that schools kids are probably writing all their school essays on that, right? The sure. people, the teacher will never know because that's not a Google site. It's different every time. So, so the teacher would take a sentence, put that sentence in Google in the past, and see what website the kid got it off of. Now, um, you can't tell. How? Yeah, you can't trace it. You cannot trace literally a kid make a, a school essay on this. Yeah, that it's programmed by people. So, so you say um, it, it's liberal leaning. Oh, okay. It's it's it's, it's yeah. programmed to go to those sites to get information. I, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's definitely there. Yeah. So I mean, it's just basically about what they. Um, had this had the AI go to, and that's all it is, right? Hussein Kiani, my cousin, in it is in last stage of cancer. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him uh, ease in uh, shifa. Perhaps there could be a shifa, and if there isn't, then ease in his final days. I heard scholars say that we should be cautious and not trust people because times are bad. How do we reconcile this with Hosnadhan and giving 70 excuses? That's a very good question, and the very answer is very simple. Anytime that you can be harmed by a person or you are investing something of yourself or your property in a person, then Hosnadhan is not about their, their character. Su'adhan is about the harms that could come to you, such that if I have a business, I will not hire an accountant I'm not going to just give my, my, my logins to everybody and say, here, do my bookkeeping because I could be harmed. So you, have, you are rejected until proven trustworthy in matters that uh, have in it our, my own interest. So if my interest is at stake, I don't release it until you've proven yourself to be trustworthy. That's the meaning of, that is the correct placement of su'adhan. The Prophet said, احتاري su'adhan. Guard yourself by su'idhan. However, if I just see a guy crossing uh, the street, I have no business between me and him. That's where I can have husnadhan, right? And I see a thought comes into my head. You see a guy outside the message parking lot smoking. And the thought crosses your mind. What is he doing smoking in the message parking lot? Then you could, that's where you can do that and say to yourself, well, subhanAllah, maybe he's overcoming uh, drugs and the cigarettes are far better for him like less evil for him right or maybe he just didn't know he's just learning so that's where you have husnadhan when you have no interests with the person and just for the record 70 excuses is not from the hadith of the prophet that's from saying of hassan al-basri just for the record so safa i hope that answers your questions when you have an interest in a matter you put up barriers and walls and you make them prove themselves to you 
Anyone who comes, oh, can I marry your daughter? Okay, husnadhan, mashallah. Yes, I did see him with tattoos and with other women, but husnadhan, marry my daughter too. Right? Who would do that? So that's not how husnadhan works in suadhan. Ishaq Ahmed is the claim that the Prophet wanted to abolish slavery but couldn't a blasphemy because he didn't establish justice. That would be impossible. Yes, it's a blasphemy. He loves riq. He loves freedom. But he, he, he abolishes what he uh, is commanded to abolish. Okay. Uh, it's not that there's nothing inherently wrong with slavery system, but slavery is a branch of war. And war is never to be eliminated from the human experience. So just to give you a very brief synopsis on what is the Islamic understanding of slavery. Slavery is a branch of war. It's a necessary consequence of war. So when you fight, you're fighting me, I'm fighting you, we both realize that we are going to try to kill each other. So if I don't kill you, I take you as a captive. That's slavery. Okay. What did they used to do with the captives? They used to not have massive jails. So they would divvy up the captives to the different soldiers. And then uh, the Sharia came with rules on how to treat these slaves. There are rules to, to, to soften this uh, uh, to, to soften this bad thing. Like war is a bad thing, but the, the Sharia came and it says, okay, you're, there's going to be wars. And we can't deny that there's going to be wars. So how do you kill the Quran says, strike at the necks and the limbs. In other words, kill in the fastest way possible. And no mutilation is allowed. That's what the Sharia says about war. Now you come to slavery. Slavery is taking a war captive. That's the origin of slavery. Then, once I have a war captive, I could have killed him, right? We all agree on that. Now, I'm not killing him. I'm doing something less than that. I'm making him work for me. All right, you're allowed to make him work for you, yes. How much? Within a reason. Like what you would do, what you would be able to do. You have to clothe him. What clothes? Do I just give him slave clothes? No, regular clothes that you wear. You, he has to dress with what you dress. Why? So it's a humiliation to, to have a uniform for slaves. So the Sharia says no uniforms for slaves. You dress them as you dress. He's got to eat. He eats as you eat. Are you allowed to hit him? Yes, you are allowed to strike your slave, but a strike that does not leave a mark, nor cut the skin. If you do that, oh, you can be sued for that. Sharia came with laws around this. And on top of that, now emancipation is rewarded. Highly rewarded and sometimes obligatory to emancipate. Release your slaves as much as possible. So by necessity, there will be times where we have to trap people we take them as captives and who are those people it's the people who were in war or or who they produced too whatever they produce so if i give you a sheep that's your sheep if that sheep produces a baby that's also your sheep right so likewise but it rewards emancipation so what's the what's the fault of the baby of a slave well it's not the fault of the baby of slave it's the fault of the of the dad why why did you try to fight us Right? Then your kids are going to become slaves too. But Sharia encourages emancipation. All right? 
And what did it in the world of Islam was was slavery mis was it abused? Of course, it was abused, right? There's no doubt about it. it was abused, like in any other society. But the Ottoman Empire, I think, very early on, like 200 years before America, abolished slavery. They ended it. They they had a system where they they said there will be no more slaves taken. There will be another category, prisoners of war or something that we're not calling slaves. And then anyone who does have a slave now, I don't know how they emancipated them. Maybe they just paid the owners uh, a compensation and you let your slave go. No more slavery. So we did it 200 years before the United States. When the human appetite for this like became, we don't feel like this is right. Right? Or that we don't, just don't, it's not a thing anymore. Yes. Yes. can't do that can't do that Moab says is it shirk to wear amulets with verses of Quran in it no it's not shirk it's rewardable it's halal it's in the risal of Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qairawani in fiqh so firstly it's not aqidah it's a fiqh matter is it, so the question should be is it halal or haram and the answer is it's halal Ibn Abi Zayd talks about it Ibn Umar um, it's, there's the, the narration with the ta'weed and the, or they call it hijab sometimes it goes back to Ibn Omar when children couldn't recite so he would write Surah Al-Falaq and put it on them but when you get these things you have to make sure it's actually saying Surah Al-Falaq or any Quran if you go open it up and it has odd things in it then that could be some funny business that relates to the jinn and so stay away from that someone gave a youth a amulet a leather amulet at the haram I said, look, to be honest with you, I don't know what's in it. You're not supposed to wear something. Yeah. You're not supposed to wear something that you don't know. Like what's in it. So I just said, look, just put it on the shelf over there and move on. I personally would not. I wouldn't. Because these things, there there are jinni attractions. And it's called white magic. Muslims do it in the haram. It's sinful, but they do it. They've learned a way to connect to use the Muslim jinns to, to be involved in your life, uh, I don't want to even get involved in this stuff. So I told him, just leave it. If you don't, if it has Ayat al-Kursi, fine, you could wear it, right? It has Surah al-Falaq, Surah al-Nas, I know what But if it has in it those other things, then la. Next. Sophia, it's after Aisha, 7.30, we'll send the link out. Aisha 7.30 Ryan Hilliard There's a website currently being developed by educators to detect AI generated essays I need to send this to some of the teachers that we need to be uh, in touch with this Handwritten Everyone's getting hand cramps again Yeah but they'll still they'll just read it off the screen Unless no, they're in, they're in. Class yeah, you, come into class. You go to school, you go to code a class. You yeah. get a piece of paper, and you write two pages. Yeah. Give it to the teacher before the class is over. Sometimes there are blue books. Remember those? Blue books. Did you ever get those? For like standardized tests, I think. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. But now, if I try to write, my hands will start to hurt. <laughs> Why? Or I just want to type it, or I just want to speak it into. And what does GPT stand for? I don't know. I'm a denier of all this. Yasin, you know? 
Luddite, they're called. Luddite, Luddites, people who are going against technology. Next question. Right, give me some from uh, Instagram. Is it allowed when Sheikh does Khayra and ask for your name and parents' name to check if you have any black magic? If he's a reputable Sheikh, that's acceptable. If he's a reputable Sheikh, then yes, I have seen that that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, most of that's public information anyway, so you're not like given anything bad away. But I have seen that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But anything else beyond that, like let me see your, let me find out for your your uh, your future, all that stuff, then no. Uh, Ultimus Minimus from Latin class says, how do you wear amulets with Quranic verses? If your body isn't pure, you go to the restroom. No, if it's wrapped in leather, then it's acceptable. As long as it's wrapped in leather, then you are good to go wherever you are. Uga Panda says, is it a good idea to adopt a cat from an animal shelter? It's not a good idea or a bad idea. It's your mazaj. Do you want one or not? You want to care for it? You want to scoop up its litter? And you want to feed it? There's no good and bad in that. And there's no deen and sunnah and anything in that. But it is... Uga Panda's question. I remember a long time back, this person asked, there's a raccoon stuck in the furnace. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. When you hear verses that mention prostration, is it obligatory? First of all, it's a sunnah. Secondly, secondly, the rules of salah apply. Meaning, you have to have been listening intentionally. You have to have wudu. You have to face the qibla. It has to be a time that you can pray. It has to be a human that recited it too. And it ha- the reciter has to be someone that could have been an imam. So if a boy, little boy was reciting it, we don't pray behind someone who's not balagh yet, right? So you wouldn't have to recite it. If it was a sister reciting, you wouldn't have to make the sajda. If it was a, a computer, you would not have to make the sajda. Secondly, uh, the, the number differs based upon madhabs. And the most drastic of this is that Malik held that everything after Surah Al-Hujurat, Al-Mufassal, was abrogated as a sajda. So that people could recite those surahs in Quran all the time without having to worry if the people will be confused, such as Surah Al Alaq. How many times have you heard Surah Al Alaq being recited in Salah in a mosque? It's almost never recited because the Imam doesn't know if people will understand sajda or not. But we don't. It's not a sajda for us. I was really impressed by this when I went to the bathroom. Yeah, it was recited from the middle of the Quran. Yeah, and it was a sajda. I didn't know it was a sajda. Yeah. Yet three Everyone rows, went. 400 people knew. Yeah, they all knew. Hips of Quran and Morocco is strong still. How are women taken captive? Because if they're, this is about slavery, because if they were with the enemy army, they're taken captive. The idea of a slave is uh, not a metaphysically that you're any better than him. He is a captive. This group of people were fighting against you. 
for captives, right? So that's the origin of the idea. So that was what Muslim grandpa is saying. The core belief is that no human is better than anyone else. It's true. You don't know this kafir. He could die as... Right now, if he's a kafir and you're a Muslim, you're better than him. But you, in the future, may die astray and he may die upon guidance. Or you may stay good and he may become better. So you don't know. Yeah. Which is what? His end. His present, yeah. We say that it's based on how is this present going to end? You don't know how you're going to end your life. You may be on one level here and still a good level, but you drop. You never want to drop. We ask a lot of protection from that. Yeah. M Star says a lady of 60 years of age and her two daughters of 40 years of age are planning to go to Umrah. The lady's husband passed away, so the dad died. Her two daughters, they're both over 40 years old they want to go to umrah with their mom but the husbands cannot accompany them they could still make umrah as long as they're in a safe group safe group meaning like the the travel is not in dark roads like the olden days the travel is in a plane with plenty of other people and security and all that stuff and that's acceptable for hajj and umrah all right semu with the superman logo says is it true that Imam Ahmad took Hadith al-Ru'ya as Sahih? Where the Prophet ﷺ had a dream where he saw Allah as a young boy. Seems to originate from eclectic Sufi books. I have no knowledge about that. And not, anyway, dreams are um, not haqqaiq. They're just amthal, images. They do not have any um, truth to the image that you see. Right? So he, a person sees... Uh, one time a man saw his foot on the face of the Prophet ﷺ, and he woke up extremely alarmed. He ran to the local sheikh and the local sheikh. He saw he's a righteous man. How could he see his foot on the face of the Prophet ﷺ? He said, he noticed he's wearing a khuf. He said, take the khuf off. When he took the khuf off, he noticed there's a small piece of paper that had on it the name of the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning like a, just like a piece of paper from a book that was torn and ended up on the bottom of his foot. And it said, Muhammad Rasulullah. So he said, there, that's your dream. The prophet, the, the, the image came to warn you to remove that because you're stepping on the name of the Prophet all day yesterday. That was it. It has nothing to do that his foot is actually on the face of the Prophet or anything like that. So it's images. My aunt died, says Anisa Khan. Suddenly last week, due to an aneurysm, may Allah Ta'ala enter her genital fardos without any hisab. Hey, could you pull up the Instagram so I can read? Uh, and give me your phone, please. Um, support this live stream by going to patreon.com forward slash Safina Society. Patreon.com forward slash Safina Society. Thank you. Mass Q says, why am I having a hard time buying and selling? Even small things. I ask successful businessmen to guide me. They shun me away. Even Muslim businessmen. Okay. It depends on how you're approaching them. Don't go and ask them to help you. Just go hang out with them. Just go hang out with them. Keep the company of, of people involved in business. Esmahan Mashra says, if accompanying the wife so she had a mahram was a greater than the act of jihad, 
Let's see if there if there was a, a company is accompanying your wife to Umrah greater than the act of jihad. La. Act of jihad will be greater than accompanying your wife to Umrah. If one is still paying off riba, should they postpone Umrah or Hajj? No, you don't have to. Because those payments may be, you know, for a long time. And um, khalas, once you made Toba and you stopped taking the interest debt, whether you pay that now or over 50 years or 30 years, it's the same. But you should try to, if you can pay it off right away, then make hajjahs better. But I, I, it's, I've never seen that in the preconditions of making hajj, shurut al-siha is that you have no debts. Or no rib, even ribawi debts. Asma' says, no, you misunderstood. You said it's allowed for a group of women to go on hajj or umrah. Yes, even without their mahram. They can go on hajj and umrah. As long as they're with a group, safe group. Is it haram to post pictures of Umrah trips? No, it shouldn't be. Nothing haram about that. There's nothing haram about that. Moab says, Zakat is forbidden for the family of the Prophet, but one-fifth of the war booty went to them. One-fifth of the war booty goes to the imam. One of the imam's duties is to make sure Ahlul Bayt are not poor. So they take from that money. They don't take from the money of the Muslims. Okay. So that nobody would say that the Prophet's family lives off his followers. You live off the spoils of war. Our gains outside the community of Islam. Ago Veli says, Assalamu alaikum, I have been working a corporate job as an electrical engineer and it feels mundane and meaningless what should i do i would while because it's a halal job you don't have to leave it right away i i personally would start thinking about where you want to work that like is not mundane that is something that you enjoy i would do that that's what i would do so that you could um, be happy in your life, you know. But I wouldn't quit until I find some. I found something because that's something halal. Ishaq, who is supposed to take care of women who get divorced? It should be that their fathers, their sons, their uncles, or they remarry. The Prophet ﷺ said, dying on Friday saves you from the trials of the grave. Is it sound? Yes, I did hear about this, that it, it saves a person. It gives you more rahmah because it's a time of rahmah. Anytime you die in a time or place of rahmah, then there, it, it relieves any tension of the grave, let alone punishments of the grave. All right. BT says, is it an elder's responsibility to make sure young Muslims doing haram to take them under your wing and guide them if the parents are on ghafla? In general, but not in specific. So if you know that youth in general are astray in a certain area, then it's you have it's a fad kifaya to go out there and try to do some work with the youth. But 
it is not upon you to now take him as a son. Right? Can I send my mother to Umrah alone? If she has a group with her, that's safe. Yeah. The golden chain, Nafi'ah. Malik from Nafi'ah from Ibn Umar. Yes, that's what it is. The golden chain, Al-Abbas. Oh, they're talking to each other about the golden chain. But it is Malik from Nafi'ah from Ibn Umar from the Prophet Lily Rose, we're talking about financial debts and even Ramadan debts. Your hajj is valid if you owe qada. So a woman may owe 10 days of qada. A man may owe 5, 10 days of qada, of som. He could still make hajj. It does not invalidate his hajj. It's not a precondition of hajj. The Prophet told one of his soldiers, says Asma, to leave and accompany her to Hajj because that was more important with a mahram. Okay, so I think what I understand what she's saying now is that jihad. One of the prerequisites of jihad is that you have you don't have parents who need you. That is a prerequisite of jihad. It does not necessarily. So it is better to take care of the elderly parents than to do jihad. So it's t- about taking care of her, not necessarily accompanying her. And that was his mother, not his wife. So it's a prerequisite that if you have a mother, a parent, not a wife, a parent who needs your help, then you cannot go to jihad and leave them. That was according to the Prophet that hadith. But not the wife. It was talking about the parent. Yeah. Nuh, general approach of spouse, consistently reject intimacy for no real reason and has left off the prayer Oh, you got issues. Astaghfirullah alaykum. from that. The poor guy uh, situation in which a woman has left off the prayer and refused to be intimate with her husband. There's a lot of uh, issues there. M- too much for me to really unpack. I may need counseling. And if she has she's taken on sins, she must have taken on sins. She doesn't want to pray anymore, never be intimate with a human being. She may be involved, who knows, in some sins of some sort or some depression of some sort. You need help, big time help. We ask Allah Afi and Salam from all that. And I hope that you can get to the bottom of the situation, whoever the person is. NBH says, I have really bad social anxiety. I struggle doing the most basic things like going to the shop. I have negative self-image and don't even have confidence in myself. Despite having done martial arts. What do you think about that, Yasin? Well, if 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 the person has maybe they look in the mirror too much and they keep not liking what they see, right? So stop looking at the mirror so much. You only need to look at the mirror two maximum three times a day, right? So maybe that's one of the reasons. And maybe you always contrast yourself with the people that you see on in magazine online that are perfect. So stop looking at them, right? Look at those who have less than you. 
who have a terrible life think much about death and afterlife and keep company of good people who won't judge you based on how you look that's one of the reasons that most of us are attracted to be friends with Muslims number one they're not going to back by you or they shouldn't chances are they're not going to back by you a righteous person will not back by you secondly chances are they're not going to judge you based upon how you look because that's totally relative not not relative it's not just relative it's out of your control so no one wants that maybe these are some some remedies to you and do you do salah on the messenger peace be upon him because that's supposed to release all anxieties from your heart do a lot of salah on the messenger peace be upon him because that's supposed to relieve you from all the anxieties possible Uh, if someone wants the Prophet to help them, you just make so much salah and salam on the Prophet, peace be upon him. That's all you have to worry about. Just do much of that. Daydream of Autumn. Are there any online Muslim counselors you recommend? Well, there was a sister, Gid, who used to represent an online counseling operation. There's also Cornerstone Counseling by Suzy Ismail. Okay. I mean, what is the best ibadah to do for the fulfillment of dua during Umrah? As-salamu ala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And of course, tawaf. And if you're going to Umrah, the greatest time that you can, you can make tawaf is Thursday night, Laylatul Jum'ah. And then make an intense dua there. Following up yesterday's discussion, says Sophia. Is a female convert's father, brother still her mahram? Yes, he is a mahram. Except in, ma- in, in, in marriage. Why? Because in marriage, there is, uh, he has to have knowledge and belief in the rulings of Islam. So he cannot be your wali in marriage. But if a convert comes, is traveling somewhere with her dad who's a Christian, she's in the clear. She's not in committing sins. Right. How do I love the Prophet more? Read a little bit of his sirah every day and do salam salawat upon him every day. Al Abbas has some aqidah questions here. Um, they're talking about occasionalism. Let me get to that. I, I miss. I lost it. Yeah, some of the well, you, yeah, you got to get their terminology. Muslim grandpa, what are the courses that people take to be Islamic scholars? Well, this is a good chance to tell you about arcview.org, which is where we put our courses. And arcview basic starts with the fundamental courses that a Muslim needs just to just be cemented and grounded and have a foundation to be literate in Islamic knowledge. And then arcview plus takes you to another level of courses where you begin your scholarship and your learning. But the number one course that you should take is the Aqidah course, the Doctrine and Beliefs course. Uh, that is, there are a couple Aqidah classes there. There's one that's basic and one that's plus. So you take the basic one first and the plus second. Arcview.org. And Rai, if you, he, he just put the banner up too. 
Al-Abbas says, is occasionalism an essential belief for other creeds other than the Ash'aris? What do the Hanbalis say? I never say Atharis, I always say Hanbalis. Because that goes back to a human being who we could trace. Huh? Occasionalism is the doctrine ascribing the connection between mental and bodily events to the continuing intervention of God. We, everyone says that. Hanabila, Asha'ira, Maturidiya say that Allah is the Qayyum at every moment. He is sustaining and He is directly creating. Or the create, his creation is manifesting directly at every moment. No thing is responsible for another thing. Legally is different. But it, theologically, when we're talking about creation, that so this phone is being kept together or, or it's, 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 it's being sustained in a sense. Every moment Allah is sustaining it. That's what we believe. If I have a bad dream, how do I know? If you have a bad dream, if it scares you, like a nightmare, ignore it. But if, you, if it's a bad meaning in the dream or a bad symbol in the dream, but you feel that it wasn't a nightmare, then yes, you may go see the interpretation because it may not mean what you think. And it could be a warning. Let's hear it. How to answer non-Muslim youth in elementary school who ask Muslim kids why they're Muslim? Like, how can a kid? What, what can you tell a kid to answer that question? That's a very big question. A non-Muslim kid asks a Muslim kid in a, in school, "Why are you a Muslim?" So, it's going to be a lot of reasons for that. That's one of the things that we put in the book. Um, key to paradise the first chapter is why people enter islam or stay in islam and there are a lot of reasons right and for a kid it may be a tough question because they tend to have not thought about it yet that doesn't invalidate that they're on the right track just because they haven't thought about it and as many atheists say well what a coincidence you happen to be on the same religion of your parents well it doesn't that where whatever the truth is, right? That person on the truth will have kids, and that kid will be born on the truth. Does that? In, does it? Is it's not an invalidating factor at all that I was born upon it. Doesn't it's not an argument at all. So most kids probably haven't studied why they're not, they're Muslim. So I can't tell them. They have to ask themselves that question. They really have to do some introspection at an early age. I found on the, at the next-gen kids, yep. compared to the, the middle school-level kids, next-gen yeah. kids deal with Kalam way better. Like, so if I'm like... Um, next-gen being first to sixth grade. First to, first like, fourth. First like to I'm fifth, yeah. First and second graders. Yeah. And I'll be like, you know, um, why does Allah have to exist? Yeah. Because Allah created everything. Yeah. And they're just like, they'll take that all the way. Yeah. I'm like, all right, but what if an engineer created a car? Like well, Allah created the engineer. Yeah. He created his ability to make Small. the car, right? And his, and the idea. They'll say all that they know all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's for the, the collab I'll, is nice for me. I'm a big proponent that uh, essential truths are very simple, right? Essential truths that we live with every day. They have to be very simple. That's why some brothers said, "Oh, don't 
minimize evolution. It's very complicated, complex. No, don't be confused. The essence of evolution is an analogy. Is that it is an analogy. You witnessed one uh, uh, alteration of a trait. You then analogized that if this was to repeat, be repeated a billion times, you'd have a whole different species. That's an analogy, right? You just made a big leap. You haven't actually seen that, so you can't say it's a fact. So it's, it's an analogy. Darwin himself said, my whole theory is based upon an analogy. And if anything would negate it, it would be the fossil record. Because we would see the fossils slowly altering, right? But, he's, but the truth of the matter, of course, after his death, it was, uh, came to fore that fossil records exploded. There's like an explosion of new fossils without any grad- gradation. So the essence of the theory of evolution is very simple. Just as the essence of Islam the belief in God, belief in God and belief in the prophet is very simple. Now, once you pass that and you start looking at, you can pile on evidences that are very, that it, this, the science of the evidence is only for specialists to understand. But the construction of the argument, the base of the argument is a very simple argument, is that we have witnessed a, a slight alteration in traits of animals. If that was to be repeated a billion times, you would have speciation, Right? That blank spot right there is an analogy and a leap. So the essence of evolution is very simple. The essence of the Trinity is very simple. The essence of Islam is very simple. And ultimately, it is possible for anyone to discuss these things, right? Even without knowledge of the scientific terminology and um, other things that they're adding on to make their ev- to, to make their theory more believable to themselves. At the end, it the same. In the end of the discussion, it is ultimately you are theorizing about facts. Okay, you, and and as long as you're theorizing, you're in the realm of speculation. No matter how strong a, uh, evidence you have, you are still in the realm of speculation. This is not demonstrable knowledge right here. You can believe in it as much as you want, as long as you realize you're in the realm of speculation. My parents are hostile towards theological discussions. Stay away from them. Don't, don't anger your parents. They're religious, but I only care about church because they can see their community. How do I make them understand and introduce them to Islam? The best thing for 44 Lewis is Muslim people. More exposure to Muslim people without, without theological discussions. Just meet Muslim people. That is the best way, right? So let them see the fruit of Islam themselves. The fruit of Islam is the Muslim people, regular individual Muslim people. Let them see that. All right, next. Do I know someone who can interpret dreams? I do know someone in Egypt, yes. But he only speaks Arabic. Yeah, you never do that. You're going to get a thousand different answers. It's 
Aisha Mukhtar out of England, her dad, Abdullahi, he's in the ICU, so may Allah give him a speedy shifa. Allah give him a speedy shifa. Yeah, I see that. I wouldn't go to online Islamic uh, as strangest is asking. Don't don't rely upon those. They they are just like encyclopedias of possible meanings, but depends on the whole dream itself. We don't have a lot of dream interpreters in America, although Sheikh um, from Darul Qasim. He is, what's his name? Sheikh Amin Khalwadia. Yes. I've never met him. I want to meet him someday. He's a big alim. Big, respectable alim. I want to meet him. Yeah. You've been to Dar al-Qasim? We used to have a friend here. And he left to Joe, uh, to the daughter of Qasim, yeah. Yeah. I thought he left permanently. This guy bounces around everywhere. Oh, he's just a. Tell him. I thought he, he left permanently. Nah, he just flies around. Oh, okay. That's why I said in the thing that he left in the chat. I said that he left. Oh, okay. So he's just basically a, a, a nomad, essentially. Okay. Mech is messing around and he said, I heard that some Sufi awliya fly in the air on a broomstick and mumble strange language and summon angels. <laughs> Where'd you hear that? If you see one, let me know. Can I bring that dream interpretation onto this platform? I don't know. He'd, it would require interpretation and stuff. Ferozen says, how did you not get sick after Umrah? Everyone comes back sick. Did you do something special? Now, remember, I got sick before I left, right? So my immune system, I guess, was strong. My body was rested. If you remember, for one week, we didn't have... So that Monday, what happened? That Monday, who did we hang out with that Monday? I can't remember who we hung out with, but I ate something. I thought it was food poisoning. It wasn't. So that Thursday you came, well, well Ahmed Zaghlul got it before. When, remember Ahmed Ali? Uh, broomed the vomit? You broomed it. So you got it from that. Ahmed Zaghlul got it from youth night. From you, from youth night. Yeah, so he got it. Then he came here Friday. Eventually I got it Monday night is when I got it. But I can't remember. I thought it was food poisoning first. But it wasn't. It was, it, we all thought it was food poisoning. But it was just like a stomach virus. That knocked me out Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, I was back on my feet. Friday, we traveled. And exactly. But those two days, you can't move. Like you lit for 48 hours, you cannot move and you cannot eat anything. So I literally was just drinking some water, having some like dry foods when you have a stomach virus, right? And remember what I said earlier? I was like, man, I love getting the flu. I love getting sick in the winter. Just get rest. <laughs> and I literally got sick like a day or two later. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. You know about uh, Jamal Hamlin? 
Damar Hamlin, yeah. What's his status update? I don't know. I didn't look. But yeah. Like, I was hanging with my friend yesterday, and he said that there's people on Twitter saying that it was because of COVID shots. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> the conspiracy theorist, it's Ohem. It's Wehem. 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 You know the funny, the hilarious thing? Is that there's a merging now between right-wing QAnon guys and Whole Foods, Whole Foods? women. Yeah. I saw this in the New York Times. It's a, the trends are merging. You know the Whole Foods women who, oh, I don't eat this. I don't eat that. I'm gluten-free. I'm sugar-free. I'm this. That is now merging with QAnon. Like Whole Foods white liberal women and, uh, and QAnon red pill guys, they're merging. Because they both have this conspiratorial mentality against authority, against anything that's uh, an establishment. And also, it's like emotional. They follow these ideas that have very feeble evidences. That's what we call in the Sharia a wahm. is a theory that um, a, a wahm is a theory based upon. Uh, sorry, a is a theory based upon evidence, and that dhan could be rajah, it could be hayin, but it does based upon evidence. A wahm is based on feeble to no evidence. Right, and you would latch onto it as a belief, and a yaqeen, or you could say, uh, you know, qat'i ilm is based upon is not based upon speculation. Yaqeen is not is based upon qat'iyat. That's why we don't have debates on qat'iyat. Like we, there's no madhab on how many gods there are in Islam. There's no madhab on how many prophets. That's qat'i. There's no madhabs on that. There's only madhab on dhannis things. The prophet used to move his finger in salah. Okay, how? Up, down, side, all the time, one time. Vanni. You can have medhubs on that. Speculative. These QAnon stuff is, and, the, and all these things is, it's ohem. And the society is now filled with ohem. The right and the left. It's ohem. Things that just have no evidence. They said that DeMar... Okay, so so some of the people in England, they don't know this. DeMar Hamlin's an athlete. He's Nobody really knew about him before this. He's a football player. He wasn't like a superstar. That's what I'm saying. Not to disrespect him, but he wasn't a superstar, a household name. But he had a, a heart attack on the field, right on national TV, Monday Night Football. Right? Or was it Sunday night? I can't remember. Monday Night Football. The only game that was aired at, uh, at that hour. It's like a national broadcast. It's a massive... Um, ESPN broadcast and he just had a heart attack right on the screen it's collapsed and then for 10 minutes they couldn't they had to resuscitate him so huh yeah that's the one the game oh my god <laughs> subhanallah oh DeMar Hamlin woke up he asked who won subhanallah uh, so he ended up they thought he was dead he had a heart attack and saying here some of the people are saying that it's because of COVID shots. Wait a second. He's the only one who took COVID shots? Shouldn't everyone be having heart attacks? Man, these conspiracy theorists are something else. All right, let's see. Um, my Muslim community says Lewis is in a poor state. I'm young. I'm not influential. 
I'm new to the faith. What can I do? Be a good, learn your faith and be a good example. That's it. Learn your faith, practice it. You don't have to talk. Don't push too hard. Learn your faith, practice it. Your transformation may take years, but that is your best product, your best dawah, your best advertisement is you and your friends and your family. What's going on here? Many, many books. Could you tell us again, says Sophia, the story of the barren woman who asked Musa Salam to make dua for her? Um, yes, I can tell that story, and we'll close with that. This is a story that does not have a senate, but is this the scholars say that the meaning is sound. And that story goes as follows. A woman was barren and wanted a baby, and she asked Musa, make dua for me. So he, he walked away and he asked Allah, this woman wants a baby. Grant her a child. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I wrote and I decreed that she's barren. So Allah, um, Sayyidina Musa went back and he said, unfortunately Allah has written you barren. So sometime later, she came back to Musa. She said, ask him again. Ask Allah again to give me a child. And Sayyidina Musa went And I said, oh Allah, this woman again, she wants a baby And this time he said, ya Musa, Musa, I said that she, I decreed that she's barren So he went back and he said, Allah said, you are barren Now look at the senate of this information From Musa to Allah directly No doubts But the human instinct and human desire is so powerful it just doesn't stop. When it latches onto something, it just doesn't stop. And we learn from this story that Allah Ta'ala loves this aspect, attribute. He created it in this. Sometime later, Sayyidina Musa came, walked by at that tribe of people of Bani Israel and he saw that woman and she's carrying a baby. And he said, whose baby is this? She said, this is my baby. Now Sayyidina Musa is confused. He said, you are the same woman who asked me two times and I said, Allah said, you are Aqim? You're barren? He said, yes, that's me. Allah gave me a baby. Now Musa walked away very quickly because he was curious now. And he said, oh Allah, did you not say she's Aqim? She's barren? He said, yes, I decreed that she was barren, but she persistently recited Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim and her dua overrode my judgment, my edict and so I gave her a baby so the theological question comes what, how, then, then what kind of decree was it if it's altered and the answer to that is that there are two books of decrees anything that we know is from the second book of decree the first book of decree is with Allah, nobody has it and that is what will happen on the earth. The second book of decree is in the lowest heavens. And that's what the angels could look upon okay, and may come to people in dreams or what have you. This is what Allah has decreed for you. Dua can override that. Why? To show people Allah's mercy. 
right? And to, to make people feel that they're not stuck to the point that they would leave off action. So no, even here you have when a, a person is told that Allah has decreed this, nonetheless they call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah answers them. And this is where you really should never underestimate dua. The only time dua is not answered is when you yourself really don't believe it. So at, at any turn, and that goes back to Al-Ghawth Abu Madi and what he was saying, when you are calling upon Allah, you call upon Allah from what is in the depth of your desire. As long as it's halal and it doesn't have harm to another person. And that harm meaning direct harm to another person. Not indirect harm. Because every dua that you make may have indirect harm to another person. Right? I may make dua to buy a house. I get that house by necessity. Other bidders don't get the house. Right? I don't have to worry about that. The direct dua has no harm and is in the halal. So that's it. So. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. My brothers and sisters, I remind you that today is Laylatul Jum'ah coming upon us in a few short hours. Coming upon us is Laylat al Jum'ah. So this night you should take your needs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take your desires to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and believe firmly that Allah ta'ala is Al Mujib. He's going to answer those prayers. And worship Allah much in this hour. So much alleviation of stress and anxiety comes when you worship Allah greatly in this Laylatul Jum'ah. We are going to have the night of Salah on the Prophet in the Masjid. Bidnillahi ta'ala. Jazakumullah khairan everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu wa aminu salihat. Wa tawasub al-haq. Wa tawasub al-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Oh